Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word, we just ask that you would open our hearts to receive our minds to understand, our ears to hear, and for you to speak to each one of us. Thank you, Lord. Speak to each one of us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, it's the start of a new year. The season of Advent is over. We've celebrated the first coming of Christ one more time. And we continue to live with the expectation that He will be coming again. Because that is the promise He made. Maybe just pull my mic down a little bit. Just take the master volume, the volume down a bit. Today, I'm continuing the series that we began last year on lessons from the life of David. Oliver was the last to speak in this series, the last Sunday in November, when he looked at 1 Samuel chapter 24, where David had, has an opportunity to kill Saul, King Saul, when Saul went to relieve himself in a cave in which David and his men were hiding. It was not just a few men, he had a, a large army, nearly 600 men hiding in there. If you remember, David cut off the corner of King Saul's robe, and once Saul was a distance away from the cave, David emerged and confronted Saul with the piece of robe in his hand, questioning Saul as to why he was intent on killing him. You can find the sermon on the church website if you wish to see it again, listen to it again. Now today I'm skipping forward to 1 Samuel chapter 30. And between chapters 24 and chapter 30, Samuel the prophet dies and is buried in his hometown. David and his men leave the cave and live in the desert of Moan among shepherds. David marries twice to Abigail and Anom. I don't know why he wants to marry twice, but he does. David once more has the opportunity to kill King Saul, but spares his life this time when they went down into the midst of his camp and took his spear and his, and his water jug, I think it was, and his water bottle and um, came out. Then he and his men, David and his men, go and live uh, amongst the Philistines. And they're given the town of Ziklag from where they carry out raids on the towns and the territories around them. Saul stops pursuing David and prepares to battle the Philistines. Saul prays to God, but he does not answer him. So he goes in disguise to see a medium to bring up the spirit of Samuel, who tells Saul that he and his sons will die in the battle against the Philistines. David and his men are to be part of the Philistine army fighting against Saul, but the supreme commander of the Philistine army is not happy with David and his men being part of their army and sends them back to Ziklag. King Saul died in the ensuing battle, which meant that David might have been held accountable for Saul's death if he had been involved in any way in the fighting. Just God's providence of, no, Saul, uh, David, you are not going to go and be part of this battle. Go back. Now, relieved, I'm sure, by, da by God's intervention, David's men march home to Ziklag for three days. It's a three-day march, hoping most probably to rest and relax with their families. Now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burnt it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, 
both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burnt with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 to 8. Imagine being away on a business trip and coming home to find your home destroyed and your family gone. What would you do? How would you react? We say we love God and that we trust God, but do we really trust God in all situations, in this type of situation? In times of devastation, do we find it easy to trust God? Don't try and answer that now. We will have time at the end to discuss it. In David's distressing situation, he trusted God. David could easily have been tempted to try and quell the rebellion by the disgruntled men. This would have needed a lot of diplomacy and skill, maybe even force, and would most probably have taken much precious time, time that the raiders could, use, could have used to take advantage, to get to safety. Instead, he trusted God. 1 Samuel 30, 30 verse 6b says, But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 8a, we find that David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He was trusting only in God and seeking advice from God alone. As we battle distressing situations, it is vitally important that we learn to trust Jesus fully as he is more than able to guide and help us to final victory. In contrast to David who sought guidance from God alone, we sadly find in 1 Samuel 28 verse 7, we're not going to read it, that Saul chose to inquire from a medium with disastrous consequences. As in David's distressing situation, is your trust placed firmly in your Savior in the challenge you are facing? Someone said, being at your wit's end doesn't mean being at your faith's end. <coughs> Excuse me. Being at your wit's end doesn't mean being at your faith's end. We not only have to trust God, we need to obey His voice. In David's distressing situation, he obeyed his voice, God's voice. As David inquired of the Lord, God responded to, to his trust and with a powerful message. 1 Samuel 30 verse 8b says, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. What a wonderful promise to get from God. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Bessel, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men. 
200 stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross the brook Besor. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate. They gave him water to drink and they gave him a piece of a, of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Negev of the Cherethites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negev of Caleb, and we burnt Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I'll take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, This is David's spoil. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 9 to 20. It's amazing, said, like, no one escaped except for 400. It must have been a large army if the, the 400 is counted as minimal people to escape. And yet David overcame them. In obedience to God's clear word, David began an exhausting rescue mission, taking his 600 men with him. However, at the Besor Ravine, with the Besor stream flowing through, 200 of these men stayed behind, while 400 continued on the trail of the raiding Amalekites. As David obeyed, God worked supernaturally. In that vast land, he led them miraculously to an Egyptian slave who had been a part of the raiding party and was now at death's door. David's men showed mercy to this Egyptian, and he led them straight to the Amalekite camp, where a drunken party was in progress. David had arrived right on time to defeat the drunken partying Amalekites, to save the wives and children, and to carry off a great bounty. It was interesting that the Amalekites were spread out. They were not expecting to be attacked, because if they were, they would have drawn together and stayed closer together, as any army would if they knew they were going to be attacked. But they were celebrating and partying, because they had won this, been in, raided and taken much bounty, and they had spread out. They were relaxed, partying. Okay, we may be tempted to obey many other voices as we battle distressing challenges like David's distressing situation. But if we truly love God, we will listen to and obey His only gentle, obey only His gentle voice, the voice of our shepherd. We are not only to trust God completely and obey His voice, we are also called to love others, especially in times of distress and trouble. And what does this account tell us about loving others in distressing situations? Firstly, we do stand with the weary. We do stand with the weary. 
those that are struggling, we stand with them. In David's distressing situation, he stood with the weary, the exhausted. 1 Samuel 30 verse 10b says, 200 stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross the brook Besor. At the Besor ravine, two out of David's men were too exhausted to travel anymore. I mean, they had just marched for, th- for three days, come and found their, their homes ransacked and destroyed, their families gone, and they'd wept, they'd struggled with that, and then they had marched on again. They, 200 of them were totally exhausted. They were unable to do battle in that condition, and David understood that. In fact, since they would have slowed down David's pursuit, he allowed them to stay behind and possibly guard the supplies. They would also have had time, they would also have had time to recover while David was carrying on, but there had also been a useful rear guard defense force if David was defeated and had to retreat from battle. So there were tactics in David leaving them there that they could recover, they could rest, they were too exhausted to carry on, but they would also be a form of defense if anything happened and they had to come back. So then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook Besor. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we had recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to to this day. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. 1 Samuel 30, 21-26 When David and his men returned with their plunder from the victory, some of the men refused to share the bounty with the 200 who had stayed behind. It was interesting that he says that there were, um, where was it? Um, those that were just lost my place. Um, the wicked and the worthless fellows among them. There were wicked and worthless in his army. We know when he was in the cave of Adullam that there were people in distress and disorder and like they were a ragtag bunch of people. And yet within them there were still these that were wicked and worthless, but they were part of his army. And they saw what David was doing. So David returns with, with their plunder after the victory And some of the men refused to share the bounty with the 200 that stayed behind. What selfishness. They didn't want to share. But David would have none of it. He rebukes them gently and makes a new decree for the Israel army that said, For as his share share is he who goes into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. 1 Samuel 30 verse 24. David stood with the weary ones the exhausted ones, and gave them an equal share. He would have remembered the many times these men had battled for him. He knew their inability to help this time was due only to sheer exhaustion. They were men that he had battled with before who had fought alongside him. 
Weary people are all around us with their heads hanging low. They don't know where to turn to, turn to or what to do because they are broken. Are you willing to help such weary persons today? Can you show the same empathy that David showed to his weary men? Are you willing to help such a weary person today? If you find someone who's struggling, whose head's low, can you show the same empathy that David showed to, this, to his weary men? And one last point in loving others is we are to show gratitude to those who help us along the way. 1 Samuel 30 verse 26 said, When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. As the men returned home after overcoming David's distressing situation, as an act of gratitude, David sent some of the bounty to the elders of Judah who had been good to him and provided for him during his escape from King Saul. And it came out of David's share of it. He didn't take it from the men. He took it out of his share from, from that which had been recovered. Verse 31, which we haven't looked at, tells us that David and his men had roamed in their territories, the men that he had sent, these, uh, sent the bounty to. But they had not betrayed him to Saul. He was therefore showing gratitude for helping him in distressing moments. The NIV Study Bible says this, David sent the plunder as an expression of gratitude to those who had assisted him during his flight from Saul. Of course, this act would also ensure future political support from the elders as well. David didn't realize then that the process by which King Saul's crown and throne was to be transferred to him was very near. Who has helped you through life's distressing situations? And what gratitude have you shown them? Will you do something today to show gratitude to them? It may be through a call, a visit, a letter, a gift, or any novel idea that springs up. What about showing gratitude to God for all he's done? Can we do that? How do we do that? In times of distress and trouble, we are to trust God, listen to his voice, care for the weary, and thank those who help us in these times. Amen. Discussion time. Discussion questions. Got three questions and then the last one, praying for one another. First one, in times of de devastation, how easy do you find it to trust God? When you've gone through tough times, how easy do you find it to trust God? In times of distress, how easy do you find it to hear God's voice? Things aren't going well around us. Can we hone in to hearing God's voice during those times? Thirdly, how have you shown gratitude to those who have helped you through tough times? And maybe if you think of somebody who's helped you through a tough time and you realize you haven't helped them, you haven't shown gratitude to them, what could you do to show gratitude to them or appreciation to them? And then fourthly, pray for one another.